taking a deep breath and hoping that we can remember all the goals from the weekend, welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome to episode 216 of the Internet's Finest English Language Argentine Football Podcast. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello. And Fede Lopez. Thank you for having me. Remembered your name this week. (laughs) I feel very pleased with myself. Uh, Unfortunately, none of the goals that I mentioned were scored in the Super Classico. Um, There were also none of them scored in... There was one other one, Gimnasia against San Lorenzo. Uh, those were the only two goalless draws in the Primera of the weekend just gone. And now I shall read out all of the results um, from this weekend just gone and then we'll count up all of the goals because there were lots of them. Uh, on Friday, things started off very calmly with a 1-1 draw between Quilmes and Olimpo. Um, and then they started to flow a little more freely. Defensive Justicia got a 5-1 away win over Argentinos Juniors. Arsenal de Sarandí managed to score, which is not very frequent. Um, they, did, they only did it once, but it was enough to beat Vélez Sarsfield 1-0. And Lanús beat Newell's Old Boys 3-0. On Saturday, Atlético de Rafaela won San Martín de San Juan 2. Huracán won Estudiantes de la Plata 0. Belgrano 3, Sarmiento 0. Gimnasia 0, San Lorenzo 0. And Independiente 4, Colón 1. We then had the goalless draw in a very, very dull Super Clásico between River Plate and Boca Juniors, and then things got really silly. Rosario Central and Banfield drew 2-2 in Rosario. Aldo Civi and Tempele drew 1-1 in Mar del Plata. Um, Union versus Racing <laughs> finished 6-3 to Racing. Tigre versus Atletico Tucumán was a 5-0 win for Tigre, which to anybody who followed Atletico Tucumán's start to the season was a bit surprising. And Godoy Cruz wrapped up the weekend with a 3-1 win at home to Patronato de Paraná. 48 goals in total from 15 matches is a total of, uh, sorry, an average of 3.2 goals per game. So in a very high scoring championship already, uh, we've had even more than normal this week. And I think there there were uh, in total in the tournament 2.8 or so goals in per match, so it's highly... High rates of goals. The overall average so far is 2.87 per game, yeah. Uh, 250 goals exactly so far in this Primera Tournament Championship. Um, so, well done to all of the strikers. Not so well done to very many of the defenders. Um, well done to both goalkeepers in the Super Clásico. Well, to, well done, more to Agustino Real probably than to... Marcelo Barroero, it's fair to say. Well, he had some some chances when he 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 rushed and uh, got to the ball before the striker two mm. times to to Palacios. True, yes, he was playing a bit of a yeah. sweeper keeper role. Yeah, um, I suppose we should cover the Super Clásico first of all, partly because we're all either River or Boca sympathisers here, um, and partly because it means we don't have to talk about it ever again. So why not get it out of the way straight away? Uh, it was rubbish, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? Even by Super Clásico standards, it was quite a bad game of football. Yeah, yeah, it was. 
It wasn't as bad as the, the water polo match yes, in October yes, 2014. But I don't know exactly the number of, of Super Classicos that uh, there were always uh, at least one goal, and this one, of course, was in the new nil, which means that the uh, river because there was they had a lack of accuracy and Boca because they even didn't attack or attack very very uh, well few few chances. Uh, it may, meant that they they, they ended one uh, nil nil, which which was for a lot of super classicos that they, they, they had scored. Yeah, and for the last one was the 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 now infamous uh, Basile Merlo super classico that ended nil nil, uh, which was a very boring and which uh, ah, in the league in the league because the first leg of the Sudamericana yeah, right, in the league, well, yeah. goal, I think that yeah. was the last one when it, it is uh, it's a kind of a myth that both coaches agreed to draw and then attack themselves which I think is kind of silly <laughs> but it's, it is now an infamous for classic I think that was uh, 2005 or six, so it's uh, more than, than yeah, 10 years since a goalless draw in the league at least some correctly mentioned uh, in both uh, the Sudamericana and the Libertadores clashes we had a uh, nil-nil draw. It's, it's crazy how uh, you uh, watch uh, a, a team play and you you kind of imagine or kind of of, of start to to see how how it will end because uh, River had some problems to to end in goals the the opportunities they had been. Have been grading and Boca. We have been, of course, uh, watching that they, uh, they, they inclu- even physically were in in, in not a good form. Mm-hmm. With the the the, the main uh, uh, the players are, and, and and even the coach saying that that they are not in a very very good physical form. Uh, and but when River with River not being so accurate and and when 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 you are playing like this uh, uh, and, and you have a, stri- a strike of, of not very fluent uh, style of play you, you you like kind of imagine this that the, the match won't be mm. very well played and that they will be very difficult to score any goals uh, so in this particular case the the, the result not uh, you, we, we could discuss about the, 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 the game but the result the, the goal is uh, much it didn't surprise me at, be, at least to me I think uh, Boca hasn't scored a goal in the last four games so that's a, a very big worry for for Orsuskiloto that's two games under Arena and two games under him now uh, so I mean I, I can't really recall a clear cut chance that Boca had in the game we, we didn't have anyone any uh, but I do think River did play a good match uh, in Offensive part. I mean, the, the wingers completely dominated the, our wing backs or fullbacks, uh, especially on River's uh, left uh, side. Uh, Pete Martinez had a few chances, and once he came in, and then Mora also on the right had had some chances. And I, I, I'd say that the work Catarias uh, was, uh, in my opinion, the, the best poker player for the for the Clásico. He was really strong in the back. I think Zorale had a good game. He was criticized in some of the of the real media. I, I didn't really see that the, the game that way. I think he, he did an okay job. And uh, those two, together with Orion, were the, the reason why Boca could, could keep a clean sheet. Because I think the River did generate some chances, some clear chances. Uh, they did have a, 
a very bad miss with uh, well Rodrigo Mora hit the post and then, and then uh, late yeah. on in the second half wasn't it we had yeah, yeah. Good, good chance the ball was, yes. to yeah. shut it down very well but yeah. uh, Mora's basically first touch was far too heavy I thought of, of course River was, was I think much better than Boca, yeah, but won, yeah. overall but uh, it's like you you'll see that they weren't uh, like uh, when when they uh, of course they won yeah they, they missed the final the final touch into the net yes they won Copa Sudamericana and Libertadores which is which aren't easy tournaments and they won it and in that cases River even w- w- without playing brilliantly or spectacularly they had some like they lack when you are uh, in a good path you are like you are yeah. going going ahead and you score the goals and you. Uh, like know how to to, to defeat yeah, it. Maybe that clutch factor sometimes yes. goal mm. uh, to to scoring that in those situations. The one maybe Alario had in, in some very important matches. Uh, yes, perhaps the the, the 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 lack of control that Mora had uh, and that ball that uh, some said with the cross from Peter yeah, Martinez and, and Alonso, Alonso couldn't control control mm. either. Mm. Uh, in other opportunities, Mora co- controls the ball. Uh, very uh, in a good way and, and, and scores. And in this case, it, it wasn't. Yeah, obviously, well. the pressure is, is different from from any other game. Uh, and uh, but I, I I would like to point out that uh, once again I feel Gachardo outclassed uh, tactically outmatched his his opponent. I think he Boca's midfield was non-existent. Uh, Gago had a fine game uh, to his standards. I I, I was uh, quite quite happy the way he 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 worked defensively. I hadn't seen him work that way in quite a while. He he, he was okay, sliding tackling a couple of times. So uh, I was happy with him. But then Perez, maybe Betancourt, Adelaide. Talking about just what you are saying tactically, then you think that he, he, he put so many. Uh, they, they aren't all number classic, classic number five. Yeah, right? two, two number fives and a, and a back four. Yeah, maybe he was kind of. Defensive, you can call it. I mean, the way Boca was not attacking. It at was all. intelligent because the way they were playing before this match, uh, going and attack River would have been perhaps. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe if you look at it that way, I mean, but you have to respect Tevez anyway. I mean, even though he's in a very very low level, uh, you have to respect him. So I, I wouldn't put that against him that he plays a back four and two, if you can call defensive number fives. But uh, I, I think in every, almost every game against Roberna, he, he technically outplayed him. And I, I feel the same way about this one. Uh, of course, I wouldn't blame uh, Guillermo for this because, I mean, it, it was only his second game in charge and he only had two, two trainings, uh, training sessions to, to prepare, so it's, it's really not, not much he could do. Uh, he was okay. But uh, I, I do think in Gachardo again... Uh, Found that uh, or thought he could attack Boca from the from the wings, and he did just that. And it, it, I mean, they they had the the best chances. So, so the next question that that is inevitable now that we've mentioned Guillermo uh, Barrosegalotto's name is uh, that Fede last last week we recorded um, before his his first match in charge, which was also a fairly dull nil nil draw uh, against Racing in the Libertadores. Um, after one week of, of having him in charge, with two performances that maybe weren't the most thrilling and in some ways weren't that different to Arroyo Barrena, but at the same time, as you say, 
he's only had two two sessions so far. But after having had at least a bit of a look at what he's trying to do, um, how how are you feeling about about it? I'm. I mean, not so good as you as you said. It's it's not that different from Arena. Uh, in the tactics he, he's employing, in the names he's, he's fielding, and in the way we, we are playing. I did see some changes in the rushing game mostly. Uh, I did notice some uh, higher pressing and maybe. Especially the first half. Especially the first half against rushing. Uh, also, some more direct attack. I, I would. Uh, maybe a concern under Arena was Boca having possession of the ball with maybe t- t- nine or ten players uh, in the opposing half and controlling the ball and making lateral passes without much depth. I think uh, under Ishermo we didn't have that, that much possession. I, and I think that's uh, by design. Uh, I think he favors a more direct attack so as not to let defenses uh, maybe get comfortable and, and get uh, too. Two back, two back fours or two lines of four. Mm-hmm. So I think that's by design to, to try to, to move the ball up quick uh, or more quickly than under Arena. But uh, I mean, it's a small sample. He hasn't had that much time to work. So and and and, and Sherman himself mentioned that uh, until June he, he really couldn't uh, or wouldn't be able to, to change the team as much as he wanted because he, he can't bring uh, new players now and uh, he, he's mentioned that the, the fitness aspect is also a worry for him um, Tevez has also mentioned this uh, in an interview, uh, I think it was yesterday mm-hmm. um, so I mean it, it's, it hasn't changed much uh, he, he won't have time at least for, for this week, he, he has an, uh, another game on, on Thursday in La Paz. In La Paz, and then another game on, on Monday, and then after that he will have his first uh, full week of work, which I mean isn't that much, that much either. But then I, I think we'll start to see some some changes, and and the team that it's been mentioned that is probable for tomorrow is is is, is an, a different team from the one we've seen. The, the, the last two games. I think they're flying up to La Paz on Thursday, right? right yes. Because they flew to Santa Cruz de la Sierra, which is yep. much closer to sea level uh, exactly. today, I believe. Exactly. Today, obviously, for listeners, being Wednesday and tomorrow and uh, being Thursday. It's uh, been reported that he's going back to a 4-3-3 mm-hmm. and that he's going to start Chavez and Carrizo as windows. So that's that's a change for, for starters. Uh, Carrizo didn't play much on the Morena uh, the last six months, maybe. So it's it's another opportunity for him, and we did mention last week that he he should be getting more starts as uh, Guillermo favors a uh, four three three, and he's maybe one of the few natural wingers in Borca's squad at yeah. the moment. So that's uh, expected, I think, and I hope he, he does well. And playing Tevez as a number nine and only number nine, he, he he's not playing two strikers anymore at least for tomorrow. So, I mean, that's... And then the midfield is mostly the same and defense is mostly the same, but Fabra is playing as left-back. Uh, we'll see. We have to wait and see. La Paz is always a different, uh, a very difficult uh, place for Argentinian teams to play historically. So I'm, I wouldn't expect that match and I, and I wouldn't expect this, this higher pressing I, I've just mentioned in the past. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, even after all these critics and this maybe pessimism, have shown. I think Boca is 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 at another level and should beat Bolivar. But we'll have to wait That's and see. Great show because Bolivar beat uh, Deportivo Cali very five nil. Yeah. yeah, I know, but I mean, 
historically, even in La Paz, uh, Argentina teams dominate, and uh, the, the, the names Boca has are just at, at another level. Okay. I, I think they should have class Bolivar, but we'll have to wait and see. It's, it'll be interesting, at any rate. Um, River Plate are also, of course, in, in Copa Libertadores action on Thursday evening. A uh, couple of hours before Boca, they play at home against Sao Paulo. And right now, as we're recording, we're 10 minutes into um, Rosario Central against River Plate. So River Plate are not playing twice in 24 hours in the Libertadores, by the way. They're, uh, they're putting two squads into this year's championship. That's the, the uh, prize that you get for being the, the, the defending champions. Uh, no, it's River Plate of Uruguay, who are currently away to Rosario Central, um, who I believe are named after the Argentine version, but yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not 100% sure. They might just also be named after the river or the estuary. Um, other talking points, then, from the weekend. Having now pretty much covered the uh, Super Classico and, and indeed Guillermo Barasek Gilotto's first week in charge of Boca, um, there's quite a bit to pick out, isn't there? But I think we have to start in Santa Fe, where there was a frankly silly match between Union and Racing, which went 1-0 Racing very early on. 1-1, 2-1 to Racing, 2-2, 3-1 to Racing, uh, sorry, 3-2 to Racing in the 31st minute, um, and then stayed that way uh, through half-time, and indeed through to about 12 minutes into the second half, when the goal started up again. Union made it 3-3 through ex-Racing player Diego Bichar, and then Diego Benito got his second of the match uh, to put Racing 4-3 up and we thought that that was going to be that and that it was going to be a bit of a dramatic finish and then Racing scored twice in stoppage time to make it 6-3 they can't defend very well can they? neither of those two teams (laughs) well it it was the first uh, Saba signature game I would say in in Racing right? Uh, I saw that game it was very very fun I think it was a really good game yes of course uh, uh, having scored 9 goals it all makes you think that well, defensively was a mess, and, and yeah, and they weren't really that that very that good goals. I mean, just poor defending mostly. Yes, I'm just looking at Racing's other results so far this year. Obviously, the Pantheon Libertadores as well, but in the league, their results have gone one two 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 nil five one 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 nil six three. So it's quite a jump. Um, they did beat Bolivar. 4-1, didn't they, yeah. on the opening uh, round of, of week of, of Copa Libertadores action. Um, and then, of course, between the 1-0 win a week and a half ago, which was at home to Boca in the league. We have to say that they had the, nil-nil the British from Colombo was... I don't it's remember the, ni- the, ni- the, the minute. Yes. yes, it was, wasn't it? When they were 4-3, I think. It was... Yeah, because he complained... Uh, 68th minute, so yeah, it was a few minutes after Diego Benito made it 4-3 to Racing. Exactly. Yeah, and it was because he, he spoke nonsense to the linesman, I think, not the referee. Yes, I remember him for uh, having some uh, bad behaviour when he started playing in the, the very beginning of his career, that he put his finger inside the ass of another player, I don't remember the... the the rival. I don't remember that one. Yes, I remember the incident. I remember the. He was like, uh, how you, how uh, at the beginning we uh, people thought that he was some malaleche, how you, we say here, yeah. some inten- bad, bad behavior, but intentionally, uh, and well, now he has he wasn't off by normal situation, not. Something yeah, like that, normal, normal in Argentina, I'd say. Yeah. Yes, well, protest to protest for insulting the last one. Yes, of course. <laughs> but yeah, not 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 as bad as the uh, the other incident you mentioned. 
that one was an interesting and an entertaining game anyway but actually on, of the games on Sunday the one that I enjoyed the most I think was uh, Central against Banfield which was partly because it was an unexpected result Central didn't too. win um, and I thought that 2-2 two, two sort of there's a decent amount of attacking and, and, and the defending hasn't been completely disastrous I and think it was, and it was a fair result as well plus the, the second goals for both teams Damian Musto wow. uh, for Central and Christian Michagra for Banfield were both just things of beauty um, Musto's goal was, was, yes. was goal wonderful really the curl on it was, was yeah. gorgeous and then Michagra and he's right footed and he hit it with his left foot oh that's right yeah, yeah, yeah magnificent well, of course yeah. and, and Michagra's which came five minutes from the end was just a looter from about 25-30 yards into the top corner um, so that was certainly for me I think was the game of the weekend even though it's perhaps not the most uh, eye-catching scoreline um, of the weekend Independiente looked very good in beating Colón particularly against Colón one of the sides who had a relatively strong start to the season um, yeah but they were coming down from a 3-0 defeat against Central as well so. yes the re- reports I, 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 I got from that match said that Depending, they wasn't so that brilliant, but the, because of, of course, the, the the score makes you think that they they were like a, a very good team. They ran in, yes, like Racing. In fact, they ran in two goals in the last sort of ten minutes ish, um, and to the, give the scoreline some. The eyes were put on the goalkeeper, goalkeeper because uh, Rodriguez, Diego Rodriguez, Ruz Rodriguez, who has been uh, there was some kind of bullying. Oh, he's been dropped, him. hasn't he? Yep. Yes. Because Independiente's fans have been annoyed with him for some time. Yeah, I think because it's, it's, actually, I think we answered this one. I, I think ago. he made mistakes, but not so, not so. It's uh, a scapegoat, I think. Uh, I mean, the, he was severely criticised for the for the goal he conceded in the Clásico, which I mean, he couldn't do anything. That because he, beautiful bicycle kick, and, and next to the post there was nothing any goalkeeper could do, and he was criticised for that. So I mean. I don't know. The, 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 the fans just don't like him, and that's the way it is. But because here there is there there is uh, some uh, like it's u- usual everywhere I think, but in Argentina of course uh, it's usual to to make that memes to to boast to uh, make jokes with some some player that is not with in a good moment, and while well, Rosa Rodriguez is clearly the one that any goal that is scored in the uh, Independiente goal. Uh, Makes makes the the, the supporters yeah. to, to criticize criticize him and, and every time he concedes, it's a good time to to open up Twitter. Uh, yes, and <laughs> Campania, the Uruguay and Martin Campania, who was signed, has been signed this transfer window, uh, was the one who who were was in the goal of Independiente, and of course the, all the eyes the eyes of the supporters were there, and well, so it was correct, not brilliant, with uh, only one goal conceded. And for 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 Independiente, which also that also makes the, the people be with the good or bad humor. If you if the team scores five goals and they consider two one or two, even if Russo Rodriguez were the would have been the the, the, the responsible, yeah. uh, nothing would have been happen have happened. But mm. uh, in this case, uh, even Pellegrini uh, Pellegrino made the, the decision of, of uh, taking him apart and. I think that means he won't be the goalkeeper anymore. It's not that that uh, Pellegrino is uh, trying or or is uh, uh, trying with with Campania, but that Rodriguez won't be the goalkeeper anymore. Uh, that that is the sensation. No, indeed. Um, 
so watch this space as far as Independiente's number one is concerned. Uh, elsewhere, a 3-0 win for Belgrano against Sarmiento, which I didn't see very much of, but... Uh, no, me neither. But the, uh, I think Lippi, Sergio Lippi, the coach, has been sacked, or, or he resigned, and the same as... Uh, oh, of course, yeah, Sarmiento's manager, yeah. Yes, and the same as Major, Carlos Major, the Argentina juniors. Yeah. Of course, 5-1 yeah. against uh, Defensa Justicia. And a hat-trick from Borgdagaray. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first in his career. I'm not sure which is worse. Yeah. Conceding five to defensive Justicia or allowing Fabian Modegaray. Two new listeners where the rise is famous in Argentina. Goal for Rosario Central, by the way. They've just got one nil up at home. To Marco Robin, who, who else could it be? Uh, Sorry for the carry on. Yeah, I was saying Modegaray is famous for in Argentina because he was the only transfer River brought in the, the season they got relegated. So and that, that's a criticism against Passarela <laughs> to fight relegation. Uh, just bring in Bordagaray so him scoring a hat-trick is kind of uh, ironic I'd say and their 6th or 7th goal against Atlanta when River defeat them 7-1 yeah. Uh, yeah yeah right and it's uh, his first career hat-trick by the way for, for Bordagaray I'm not at all surprised to hear it not I'm very surprised either. if it wasn't in fact but uh, and uh, Ariel Olan or, or Defensa Justicia and, and, and Olan has, has, has had some, some good results so yeah, we'll, we'll have to to keep an eye on them. It's not bad for a hockey manager, uh, is it? Not at all. Yeah. So, and uh, there was a, a, a something on TV saying that uh, remark that he was re- something remarkable about the technology that he's using mm. uh, with the videos and the other he's, stuff. It's very non-conventional. I mean, he's outside the, the, the full atmosphere. As, as Sam mentioned, he he's originally a, hockey, a field hockey pl- uh, coach. And I, I I do remember before he he was picked by the Defensive Justicia he he has his own web page, uh, his personal page where he I, I mean he oh, yeah. like he I showcases yeah, his I his credentials. Okay, I'm a Lilan, I'm a football coach now. I was a hockey coach. I mean, it, and it's kind of funny for a first division coach to to have a side that that in that in that an online CV so exactly it's an online CV and he, and he, I mean he did. Post his his number, his agent's number, so as to to get a job offers. That was kind of funny. Uh, some some months ago, when I saw it for the first time, and uh, and it's nice to see him succeed. I'd say. Yeah, so to open some minds. Yeah, and bring some something from from a different sport. Uh, yes. Field hockey is, is quite popular in Argentina, and uh, I'm sure he's he's had some success there as well. Well, he was managing one of the ladies' club teams, wasn't he? Yeah. Is that right? I don't remember which one, but yeah, it's one of yeah, them. Yeah. Uh, was he manager of the national team for a while? Mm, I don't think no, so. I don't think so, no. no. Maybe uh, an under or something? Yeah. Or so, a youth team? But he was certainly managing one of the, the better ladies' club hockey teams. Yeah, they're all amateurs. Amateur clubs, anyway. Uh, yeah. Hockey is, is very high standard. Um and he's got them second in Group B at the moment. 13 points from their opening uh, six matches. Of course, there are a few teams in Group B with, with games in hand because of what it comes. Uh, matches that got postponed. Um, but I don't think any of them can catch up. Aldo Sibi are the highest placed of the teams with the games in hand. They've got seven, so they'll only go to ten. So defensive of this year are legitimately second in Group B. They're the top scorers in Group B by quite a distance. Yeah, because Racing, even after scoring six on Sunday night, Racing have scored eleven, and they're the second top scorers. Defensive DC have got eighteen goals in six games. Yeah, pretty um, much. That's false. Yeah, and and they've conceded six goals in six games. So Which essentially, is. they've won basically they've they've won three one every match yeah. on average. 
Um, Lanús, the top of Group B, they're the only unbeaten team in Group B. They've got five wins and a draw, um, ten goals for, three against, and that was because they beat uh, the old boys 3-0 with Roman Martinez scoring two more goals and Jose Sand scoring again. Jose Sand, I think we had a question about this last week, but he's only ever been any good at all for Lanús. And yet yes. he's very, very good for Lanús yes, every that, time those, he goes there. Those players that are, are made for a single team. Yeah. Bizarre. But Martinez as well seems to be enjoying himself tremendously this this campaign. Last year when he was signed for Estudiantes, I thought he uh, initially just seemed to sort of struggle to fit in a little bit. And he was he, clearly a talented and player. We knew this from watching him at Estudiantes. How is Saldo Civi going? Because... Um, Two of the of the strikers that were at the seven, city now seven points now now are with a game now are going doing very good in their teams actually yeah. Russia Martinez at the Racing and, and Sandra yeah. Lanús uh, yeah well Aldo have five games played two wins a draw two defeats eight goals four nine goals conceded so yeah, so average not great they're, they're in the middle of Group B well, but two of the of their strikers that now are of the former strikers they had and now are doing good. And mm. other actual teams. Yeah. Yeah, and, and speaking about Lanús again, uh, some of us were skeptical. I remember on our uh, season preview, uh, they were pretty bad last year, and uh, we didn't see that many changes brought in, and they did lose Guillermo, uh, which had been great for them. And Almiron didn't, didn't do, wasn't good at uh, Independiente. Yeah, we didn't have that much confidence in him. And, and he, uh, the first or second day he was the coach, uh, he. Uh, said he wouldn't take into account with uh, to Fritzler with no kind of clear problem. yes it was in clear dissipation because he uh, Fritzler said he he realized this of this situation when, when because of the with the media and not with and yeah, so politics. these things were like oh well he he didn't start very good but now mm. he's yeah he's yes totally um, and did either of you see Tigre against Atletico Tucumán on I Monday I did not. Because I was sitting in, in the pub, sort of right underneath the television screen, and just sort of kept looking up to see that another goal had gone in. And it was quite surprising. I mean, Atletico Tucumán, even good. after that defeat, a third in Group B, they've only conceded seven goals in, in six matches, and five of them came on Monday night. And Tigre, that, they haven't won a game until then. And they've only scored seven, and five of them came on Monday night. So, yeah. how on earth that happened, I don't know. Um, and I, I wish that I could give more... more Cutting insight for our listeners. I'm afraid this will. There was another hat trick there, but Alexis Castro scored a hat trick for Tigre. I think this will make listeners not to to be the ones, the mystic previewers of this. <laughs> mm. Well, we shall see, um, because we'll get onto the mystic stuff later, and, and we'll find out uh, how uh, last week's predictor did. Um, but there are. Have we failed to mention any other really eye popping? Matches yet? I don't think we have, have we? Let's go to Rafaela lost again, which is no surprise. Um, we've mentioned Belgrano winning and, and Samianto losing. We've mentioned, uh, yeah, all of this stuff. Godoy Cruz got a 3 1 win at home to Patronato with uh, Santiago. Is it Santiago Garcia? Yes, the Morro Garcia. And Walter Ashobi scoring twice um, again to keep up a very impressive campaign that Godoy Cruz are also having because in Group A since we've mentioned the standings in Group B I suppose we should now mention the standings in Group A but I, I heard some some players uh, uh, from Godoy Cruz Aizuki the, the captain and, and mm. Garcia also saying that they will try of course things that every player will say when they are at their position 
but they are they will fight for the title it's not that they well we are we will see how we are going and and what, what we can do no they are focused and they're perhaps mentally prepared to yeah fight for that they are second in group a uh top of group a no surprises to anybody uh rosario central with four wins and two draws and no defeats but Godoy Cruz are almost matching them. They've got four wins, one draw, one defeat. They've scored the same number of goals as Central. Just conceded a couple more. Um, so they're only a point behind on 13. And then San Lorenzo are a point behind Godoy Cruz with three wins and three draws. Um, group A is looking... Actually, both groups are sort of... The teams at the top are all playing pretty well. Central are, I would say, clearly a level above... Everybody else in the league at the moment, particularly in the standard of football, very much as they were for the last sort of five matches or so of, of, of last year. Um, but aside from that, you still wouldn't be surprised. Let's go back to Boca River just to wrap up this first part, by the way, because both of them, uh, after Sunday's draw, are sitting with two wins, two draws, and two defeats in obviously different groups, but both on eight points. Are they going to be hoping for the title, either one of those sides? I wouldn't count on that. No. No. I guess you could... River might have a little bit more sort of reason to, to believe because they've shown a bit of an improvement, they, they, whereas Boca, are, are obviously, for reasons... Yeah, but still, I mean, they, they'll focus on the Copa. There's no exactly, way they yeah, won't focus on the Copa. So does that perhaps advantage Boca if, if Boca don't get a good result in La Paz tomorrow? Do you think Barroso Quilotto starts to say... No. We're probably not going to get out of this. No, group, so no, not all, at all. We'll no, there's no way Boca will will neglect the the Copa. No way. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if Guillermo does, that's the end for him. I'd say uh, there's no way. Uh, so and River will do the same. Maybe if they get uh, if they reach the last game and they're already qualified, maybe they they can place substitute there. But if not, there's no chance. Well, about River, I would say first that they are undergoing a strike of bad streak of, of injuries mm. uh, yeah. with Maidana who has been injured yeah, of course Maidana's got an, an injury now as well so it's going to be before the end of what's the tomorrow night's defence going to be yeah. then will be Mamana Poncio, perhaps and Poncio or yeah. I don't know uh, or Mamana or Poncio and Mercado perhaps will be the, the first centre back as he has been playing like he has played in that and position he's going to play right back Machada Machada yeah. or Casco which is not good <laughs> I think I would prefer Machada of course yeah Anyone but Casco. Um, I but think really you have to have Mercado in, in a centre back, though, don't you? Because Poncio at centre back has already been tried this season and it's not worked at all. Mercado and Mamana will be the more intelligent, I think, yeah. decision. Mercado at least has played there before. And, or and Poncio could play a right back. I mean, he did that a couple of times in his career as well. Well, he'd be able to do less damage if you stick him a bit further away from the middle of defence, <laughs> So, yeah, why not? But, <laughs> And, and he he his injured was at the at the forty fifth minute, uh, the second half. Yeah. That that is a signal that you are not. How do you say? Having good luck. Yes, yeah. we are not ligando. We say here <laughs> like that. Uh, uh, and the uh, Boca, well, if if Guillermo has admitted that he will play like this until June, that means well, no chances. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's interesting because this this tournament, as much as we, or maybe Boca and River neglected. Uh, and I, is the one that qualifies for the next year's Copa. Uh, are there are mm-hmm. things that for me are, of course I am a River fan, but for me are mistakes from, from Guillermo. You can say that you will play like this, that poorly, that poorly until June, because you you are the coach now and you have to make the t- 
Team improve. Well, what he said was that he's going to have these situations. He was thinking about this training. Training. Yes, yeah, I, so I, I understand. I understand. He hasn't asked, asked for players because he uh, transfer windows, of course, is over, and he can't uh, build the team as the way he wants. Of course, that is that is obvious. Uh, but yeah, but maybe not say it publicly. And and. Yes, would, of course. would you maybe not have a quiet word in Carlos Tevez's ear or something, in, or, or Agustin Orion's ear, because they've both got you know good uh, records for injuring people, and, and say, you know, just, just break this kid's leg in the next training session, and then we'll get an, a- an exemption from the AFRA, we'll be able to sign somebody, because they'll be out for the rest and, of the season. And then, uh, uh, it's got to be tempting, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and Andrew Guillermo on his uh, yeah. famous ideas. And yeah. the, of course, you, if you tactically, tactically have the, the idea of making your players press the rival very high but you know that they, that they are poorly physically you can't ask for them after yeah, I don't think he's going to I mean uh, first, uh, I mean the first two games he didn't change the tactic at all even when he I think he never played a 4-3-1-2 in, in Lanús and he did uh, maintain that in, in Boca so I mean he, he well, is adapting to what he has I think that now he has, he's at Boca now because of he did at Lanús yeah. with the Copa Sudamericana he won at 2012 mm-hmm. uh, with a man, magnificent spe- spectacular team with uh, Silva at their best moment at his best moment Santiago Silva the one who is now at Banfield uh, with Melano who was a uh, I know it's uh, yeah, the best I'm very uh, high level so I remember Ashala playing a, good, a very important Diego role. Gonzalez the, the, he's now at Mexico Marchesin as well Marchesin uh, with Paolo Gols he, he had a very very good team Montesirin yes yeah, uh, some very, uh, very good players and they, that physically ate their rivals yeah. just the way I think he wants Boca now for Boca now but yeah there's no way he can he can achieve that in so yeah. so little time anything else to mention before we go to the break yeah I mean it, it will be interesting what happens if River and Boca continue with, in this path and don't end up in the top two in their groups because uh, if that happens, the only way for them to qualify for next year's Copa, which obviously is a target for both of them, is either to win the Libertadores to, or to win the Copa Argentina. I think Gachardo introduced a mentality, a mentality into River players uh, of thinking about the, the, the international cups, the continental cups. Yeah, but I mean, if they don't win, the, win it again, they will be out for next year. Yes, of course. I mean, the only other chance would be to win the Copa Argentina because... And, and surely these, these are both teams who, given their size, I, I know that everybody here is, is, is crazy for the, just the continental competitions. They're both teams who should be trying to win everything they can, right? I mean, I, I, I got quite angry the second half of last year when, when Gachardo uh, seemed to just give up on the league entirely and River just lost concentration and didn't give a, didn't give a toss about it because you think why would you not want to go for a Libertadores and league it's really double? tough you no team in, in, in history has won both no, not, the with, not with the short championships were in place but yeah, this one is, is a short championship no sure it, it is sure yeah but there are fewer games at the same time as the Libertadores is being played so River at the time of the Libertadores final were right up there in the title race last year and they slacked off because, okay, partly because you've just played the Libertadores final, you've just played one of the three biggest matches in your in your club's history. Of course, there's going to be some mental difficulty in, in continuing to play at the same intensity. But surely these two clubs should be looking to win, you know, hoover up titles, to win everything that they can. It's not easy. I mean, I, I agree in principle with you. Uh, historically, it's, it's not been possible for any teams, and we've had some very, very historically good teams that weren't able to get that. 
So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure they could uh, do that. Hmm. It's not an easy league either, of course. So, no, know. not at all. Um, obviously. But uh, looking at the fixture list in the next few weeks, so I won't go through all of the fixtures for the rest of the season for them, but River uh, have a tricky one coming up this weekend. This is just a league, by the way. I'm not including the Libertadores games. Um, they're away to Colón this weekend, which, depending on whether Colón have actually yes, started to slump or whether they were just unlucky at the weekend, could be tricky. Uh, then River have got home against Banfield, away to Patronato, home against Sarmiento, and away to Olimpo, and then away to Boca. So let's now do Boca's equivalent fixtures uh, until the next Super Classico. Boca are going to be at home to Union, away to Lanús, at home to Atletico de Rafaela, which surely at least that one's going to be three points for them, away to Tigre, and at home to Aldo Civi before hosting River. Um, so both sort of fairly similar fixed list maybe one or two trickier ones sprinkled with a couple that should be yeah River is a bit easier I think we have Lanus and then some yeah supposedly easy games yeah whereas River as I say Colón could be tricky but yeah. might actually not be and then yeah yeah but, but I, 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 I you're looking at that and you're thinking both of them have got at least a couple of matches that they're really going to be kicking themselves if they don't win sure. in spite of the fact that both of them yeah but I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of these games pl- uh, placing uh, substitutes or reserve sides mm. because of Libertadores uh, on which obligations I would like to talk about Rosario Central's decision last week uh, where the man with the square face as my girlfriend calls him Eduardo Caudet um, made a very interesting decision to rotate the team for a Libertadores game. Uh, Rosario Central were away to Palmeiras last Thursday evening. Um, they lost 2 0. The Palmeiras second goal came right at the very end of the match with, I think, literally about 10 seconds to go while Central were pushing up for, a, for an equaliser. Um, but it was after Caldet had left out, well, he, Marcelo Narondo wasn't available. Um, due to injury, he's, he's still injured at the moment, and Caudet had chosen to leave another four first-team starters behind altogether in Rosario. He didn't even take them to Sao Paulo with him, um, which was interesting. It was also interesting that in spite of that, um, Central were by far the better team um, on the night. The first half was a bit of a write-off because it was just so rainy that there was not very much that could happen, and uh, Palmeiras managed to to take a lead into to half-time. But then the second half, the rain seemed to let up at half-time and, and Central came out all guns blazing and was superb in the second half. They had a penalty save. They had plenty of chances to equalise. Um, With a, a penalty. penalty that almost paid off for yeah, a penalty if you mentioned the penalty. given that they dropped points at the weekend as well. Yes. I did. I did mention the penalty. Ah, yes. but, uh, well, that, that is something you can do when, when you uh, do something that uh, is very difficult. The most difficult thing, which is to have a, a, a number of players, 20 players, a, 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 all the stuff that they are play, uh, working at, at, at the team, that you you take out a player and you put another one and the team plays the same way. It's not that the because uh, there is a different name, a different player, the team will play differently. Uh, he did, did this, uh, of course it's something uh, because the players are good, but he has to do a lot, a lot with this. Uh, I trust in you. I I think you will uh, play a good match, and 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 they really did. They really did it. It's not that wild win. Uh, yeah, and a difficult match away to Palmeiras as well. It also sort of 
puts them up against the wall in terms of Libertadores qualification, I guess, unless they win this, this match tonight, in which case things start to open out again. They've still got to play Palmeiras at home and they've got to visit Nacional and also they've got to obviously visit uh, River of Uruguay. And play home with Crystal, you know, Crystal was Huracan. No? Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I'm not surprised to, to see that if if I if we end up seeing Caudet prioritise the, the, the national championship. And that's something that you can do when you're Rosario Central and you're exactly. not River or Boca. Exactly. Of course. Um, but yeah, let's, I mean, hopefully they can continue to be strong on both fronts and... Uh, because I'd, I'd love to see them around, the, you know, challenging for the title and also in the latter stages of the Libertadores, it would be... Uh, and he has very, a very, very good... Uh, uh, of course, it's Rosario Central, it's not River, and it's not Boca, but he has very good substitutes. You don't have no. Ronda, you have uh, Cesar Delgado, you don't have Ruben, you have Herrera. It's not the same, same, it's not the same but it's a good name. Then you don't have Pinola, you have uh, Vichagra. Uh, Something like that. It's uh, they have a, two, a pair of players for positions. Yeah, for each line. And a couple of kids who I hadn't heard of as well. There was one playing against Palmeiras who apparently has played a few games and got a few minutes in a few league games and Copa Argentina games over the last year or so, and I had not heard of him before. Da Campo, hmm. the the midfielder. I haven't seen him at all, but he looked uh, pretty sharp. Um, on that note, anyway, we're going to end the first part of Hand of Pod for this week. And when we come back, um, we will answer a few questions from our listeners. So don't go away. This week is from Darren Paul, who asks, Why can't Racing defend? From front to back, we can't press or put in a tackle, but our attack is hot. Well, because Lolo has been injured. Yes, that was always going to be a big problem for them. Um, because because sooner or later, Lil Saba was going was gonna to show his true colours, I'd say. <laughs> He's an attacking manager, and in fact, uh, our resident Racing fans, uh, English Dan and Seba, stepped in on Twitter because uh, Darren asked this question a couple of days ago um, oh and he also in fact included Seba and Dan in, in the tweet I now see um, and Dan is going for he says I would say new faces at the back along with a more offensive game plan so Saba, and a lack of protection from midfield so Saba again um, and Seba says that his name is Facundo Savela. you can score three against us but we'll hit you for six it's not really how Savela played at all no, so, Seba. there we go um, to which Dan replies Fep Saviola might be more like it but I'm not really sure about those puns at all gentlemen if either of you are listening um, somebody called Andres who is not Andres Bruckner completely misunderstood a tweet that I put out uh, yesterday in jest for the benefit of long term listeners and writes in to point out that Lima is at sea level thank you for that Andres but you need to tell Mr Edwards that one um, Tim Vickery has written in we're honoured to have him in the question section this week, star-studded podcast um, he wants to know when I've ever seen Daniel Passarella beaten on defensive headers three times in 12 minutes uh, 
Daniel Passarella finished playing a long time before I got into Argentine football, so I'm going to defer the question to our two Argentines. Did, was he known for uh, horrendous mistakes of the kind that Mr. Funef Mori made at the weekend? No, not at all. No. Tim me. also then points out that perhaps I should withdraw the comparison uh, that I made in Everton's in an interview with Everton's club magazine when Funef Mori signed for them, and that uh, he's out for revenge after Funef Mori's fairly successful season so far. So I will just reply to Tim that uh, one bad match does, doesn't cancel out a what does whole he season's think now worth of good work. Pardon? What does he think now about uh, Ramiro? Well, we asked him this when he was down here, and, and as he said, he's, uh, everybody's wrong about things sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I could be wrong about Daniel Passarelli, clearly. So there we go. Tom Robinson asks, Should Argentinos Juniors have left Kevin McAllister home alone for the game against Defensa y Justicia? Kevin McAllister scored quite an unfortunate own goal, uh, which I think was defence's second of the match, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah. Actually, we've got all the scorers here, haven't we? So, yes, it was the second of the match. Perfect. Right before Argentinos equalised. Um, and I'm assuming, otherwise, had a bit of a howler as well. I don't know what they should have done, because I didn't see them at the game. But uh, I was interested to see that McAllister had scored an own goal, because he's the son of Carlos McAllister who runs a football academy somewhere out in the Pampas um, and was an Argentino Juniors legend and also a Boca. Yes. Was a legend or icon? Uh, well, what would you put him on the sort of football yeah, manager hierarchy? legend, but... Uh, More Argentino Juniors legend than Boca. Boca was... Exactly. He was, he was a figure for Boca at a time where, where we were having tough times in the 90s, yeah. before uh, maybe the 92 season which was uh, tied after a very long wait for Boca. He'd, he'd have been playing for Boca just before Maradona came back, is that right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he's not, I wouldn't call him a legend, but a very important player for that uh, era. I exchanged emails And, and he's, uh, he's now the Secretary of Sports for, for the Of course nation. he is, yeah. I, I exchanged That's emails with his brother years before I even moved to Argentina when I first started up my blog. Um, I thought, oh, I could do something about them, and not really being aware that they were these sort of, both of them are sort of, not exactly mythical figures, but considerably, you know, very well-known footballers who played for Argentina and all the rest of it. And, uh, yeah, his, his brother wrote back to me, and then I never followed it up. And now he's been named Secretary of Sports, and I feel very silly for not having followed So now you're saying that he must close his academy? <laughs> well... Who knows? Who, who knows what kind of dealings could be going through that? But we'll see. Uh, Tom Robinson also asks, have we been surprised by Roger Martinez's contribution for Racing this season? I wouldn't say surprised. No, 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 but no, no, no. Um, it's been nice to see him come back in and do well. He did sort of reasonably at Aldo CB last year, but it was always at a smaller club who were going to be getting less of a chance to get form with a slightly more defensive outset. Um, and so to see him come into a Saba team and, and to see him suddenly doing much better than he did um, in his previous spell at the club, I'm not particularly surprised you, by it. I am surprised about his physical power. Mm. He's very powerful. He's built like a bison or at least a baby ox or something. Yes, uh, similar to Bo, that he he has no problem to to uh, with his contract. Yes, pass <laughs> pass pass for a defender uh, with uh, with his physical power and. Uh, well, I, I admit that I, ha I didn't recognize him because of his hair, because when he was at Alasibi, he he used to 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 take a color colorful uh, hair, and now he's uh, 
he's normal. He's yeah, he's But again. about the about his scoring skills and, and, and his potential, I I, will, I am not surprised at all. Yeah, and and Sao has been rotating the strikers uh, quite a bit. I mean, they do have Bo in addition to Martinez and Milito and Lichel Lopez. So he, he's been playing um, most of them and rotating them, and they, they've been uh, putting up some good performances, all of them. Yeah, indeed. And it's very easy with all of them in that kind of form then to, to rotate, as you say, and to, yeah. to, move, to move one person out of the team, and whoever comes in just seems to slot in straight away. Um, Darren then is back to reply also to Tom and say that uh, Roger was very good at Aldo City last season. He's just what Racing need. And then Darren again, I think he's just trying to make sure that I saw the question he asked two days ago that we've already mentioned. Um, he says, first of all, can somebody please teach Sava to set up a defence? We've sort of responded to that one already. But then he asks, did Sunday, uh, with the 6-3 win over Union, see the return of Super Chino Saha? I'm not convinced it did because they did concede three goals. But so. he did save but a couple of, uh, of. He made a couple chances. of good stops, but it's not yeah, like he kept a clean sheet. Yeah, not at all. I'm not. Into, I'm going to need to see more evidence and more but convincing evidence. I wouldn't agree with the first part of the question when he's he's criticizing Sabah's defense. Racing defended quite well against Boca both matches. Mm. So that's maybe new to Sabah, but he, he they were very solid. And Lolo, as, as we already identified, yeah, is, is a big loss for them, so we can possibly expect to see more Union Racing um, like score lines, if you will, uh, for the next few weeks at least until Lolo is back. Liam Kelly, who's no relation to me, says the Super Classical wasn't great, was it? At least Union Racing made up for it. Um, no, it wasn't, and as I say, I, I prefer Central against Banfield personally, but um, they were all much, much more entertaining matches. That's, that's every other game almost this weekend I think was uh, Liam also asked and this one's one that prompted us to do a bit of a quick Google search um, during the half time break is Ricardo Caruso Lombardi coming back into management at Sarmiento because we mentioned in the first bit of the podcast that Sergio Lippi has uh, parted company with Sarmiento and it looks as if Ricardo Caruso Lombardi is indeed coming back uh, he claims to Ole um, to Radio Guemes, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, this afternoon, but Ole are pitching it for their own headlines. Um, that he might just be taking charge for a couple of months. For a in couple other words, of months, what's left of the current championship? So he's coming in as a caretaker, if you will, by the look of it. They will be. We counted these up at halftime as well. His 17th club as manager, um, and that's not that. That's only counting all the clubs he's been at two or three times as manager as one there'll be a 17th different club as a boss um, in a managerial career that so far is 22 years long so that is quite some going particularly when you bear in mind that he had a three year spell at Tigre uh, between 2003 and that, 2006 that means two things one is that he always quits when, when in a bad in bad terms not very good way uh, and then that the team's Still trust trust him because uh, seventeen teams is not a a, a slow a, a small figure to to so it's a strange situation because uh, a, 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 a coach that always is always complaining up on the on the board and and, and as is uh, so so talk, uh, talking so much in the media you say come on but. Then the, the, there is a, a, 
another team that calls him like like yeah. like Sarmiento. So I've just counted up all of his different spells at these seventeen different clubs. He had more than one spell, for instance, at Tigre. Three different spells, I think, at Quilmes. Uh, a couple of spells at Argentinos Juniors, for instance. If you count up all the different just periods that he spent at the, at these teams, it's twenty-one in total. So. Uh, in his 22nd year of being a manager, he's about to have his 22nd managerial contract um, that he's about to begin, which is a remarkable record. And, and as you say, it's uh, slightly contradictory, perhaps, as well, in that he doesn't seem to stick around anywhere too long, but he's never short of job offers. Um, he's a very confusing one, but it could be entertaining. The unusual thing, though, I think, for that is that he, he he's joining and they're not going to have a transfer window if he's in charge if he's joining now and only staying until the end of the championship he's not going to get a chance to buy and sell any players and take some massive bones off people I mean <laughs> well he might say not. he might say I will play like this until June yeah, yeah. paraphrasing well, well, <laughs> or he can start saying, taking money off, uh, off players um, agents to play them again um, Tom Rob, which is a I have a source for that, by the way. So if his lawyers are listening, please don't bother writing in because. Uh, ah, you do. I, I think it was a myth. No, no, it's um, I cannot name my sources, of course, but uh, I I have it on good authority that that was not made up. Um, Tom Robinson asks or says I was imp- oh they're going back to the conversation between Tom and Darren about uh, Roger Martinez. I was impressed by him too, but I'm still impressed that he's getting so much game time, giving Racing's attacking talent, and as we say, lots of chance to. Um, to rotate squad members and, and to um, indulge in some of that stuff. Liam then comes in and says, quick look at the second division. Tacheres have made a great start. They've got 16 points after six games. Next up for them is the Clásico against Instituto. Thank you for pointing this out, Liam. So we will take a quick look and we will confirm, first of all, that Tacheres have indeed um, got 16 points from six games, five wins and a draw uh, with 12 goals scored and four against. We've not seen any of this, of course. We're just no. going off the table. Um, but Instituto are down in 14th. So that is a big Clásico in Argentine terms. Um, it's also one that appears to be pointing all Tacheres way. But about Benacional, there is something very important and, and recent mm-hmm. that happened about the, the, well, the money. We have been talking last episode that they will receive a very, very few money. How did I forget this? You're quite right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Please explain to us, Andres, what's, what's been going on. Well, uh, basically, and to summarize, uh, there are some board members of uh, teams from National Bay that are, are thinking seriously, apparently not now, because there, there has been released a piece of news today that said that uh, prim- first division teams will help out. Uh, the Financially. Yeah. Yes, uh, 2,100 uh, pesos a, a month. Yes. Yeah, uh, they were complete. We did talk a, a bit about it last week. Yes, and the, the, the they, TV money and how it was being uh, shared. Yeah, they they were thinking about on on going on a strike because they say that with the money they are receiving, they won't sur- survive you know, uh, the in the whole semester, and 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 they will co- won't be able to end the the championship, the tournament. And so the threat from the Benas in our clubs is uh, sorry, I was halfway between saying club in English and club in Spanish there, uh, but the threat from these institutions. <laughs> Um, is to just put a pause on the championship right now. It's not to get to the end of the championship and then go on strike for the start of the next. No, one. no. The, the, the idea was to stop playing if they right they, 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 they they couldn't find a solution right uh-huh. now. And apparently the first yeah. 
Yeah. Alpha is very different after Grandona, so this this kind of power struggles for money are uh, are only gonna get more common. As time goes on, I think. Mm. Another uh, quick uh, shout out about the Nacional B. I have a coworker of mine who's a Chicago fan, and he was very happy. They were winning 2-0 this 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 uh, Saturday, I think. He was very thrilled to to see Gomito Gomez, who's a Chicago legend. Yes, going into the pitch again, and uh, he's going to be forty-one or forty-two. He's forty-one, coming yeah. a- after an injury, and he was very really t- thrilled to to see him enter the game, uh, winning two 0 He he was subbed in, uh, he missed a chance, and then they considered two, and then they a two-two draw. So, yeah, not the best of times for for Nova Chicago. He's had another injury. He spent most of last year out injured. No, that, that, no he's no, still no. recovering, I'd say, from the injury. He came he's back and now, wow, right, yeah. so it's a chronic thing. Yeah, he's 41, I mean. Yeah. No, hats off to him for still, yeah, for he's still pretending playing. to be a footballer at, at, at that age. It's uh, very impressive, particularly for for Argentina, where a lot of clubs don't necessarily have the same uh, nutrition and fitness regimes as, as some of their European counterparts. Um, any other questions? We have had one more. And it's from Alex, who asks, how come there are very few, if no, Brazilian players playing in the Argentine League? One word, economics. Yeah, that's basically it, right? We have it's not only economics. at uh, San Martín de San Juan a few years ago, and he's the only one, I think, whilst I've been here. There's some history. Yeah. Yes, then... There was, there was one at Boca in the 90s, remember? Yeah, no, in the 2000s, we had... Luis um, Fernando... We had Yarley who was mm. very good at Boca in the 2003 and 2004. Six or seven years ago, uh, there was a Brazilian centre-back. Yeah. Uh, all the one is we had a full-back called Bayano, who was awful. But the, 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 the best I can think of at Boca was Yerle. He, was, he scored uh, against River as well. Yes. In, uh, Charles, but it was 90, so... Yeah, that, that's, that's a bit old. But yeah, it's not only economics, obviously, plays a, an important part of it, but uh, it's mostly... I think maybe the rivalry we we do have with Brazil, but we have a lot of Argentinian players yeah. there, and they yeah, are. But maybe they don't they don't feel the same way about us. Yeah, yeah we are we are. Maybe. Even even for example, look at Prato now. I don't know now, but they. Uh, yeah, the, even Dunga uh, wanted him well, to play Dan, for. Alessandro had uh, played a lot of years in, in Brazil, and he was very successful. But uh, a, a striker, Argentinian striker, playing at there, Brazil and. And Nunga, uh, the coach of Brazil, saying, well, if you, we need him, we, I, will, I will call him up. Well, yeah. But Brazil's strikers uh, right now are... Yes, are no, I'm not sure. Awful. Historically, that, that would be Yeah, it's tremendous. a combination, but nowadays it's not that, that um, big. The other very noteworthy one that's happened in relatively recent years, it's not a, a play, well, not as a player, but as a manager, is in fact one of the gentlemen who... Um, the first of Ramon Diaz's three successors as River Plate manager uh, was this guy, Delem, who apparently played for River in Yeah, very famous. The famous mostly in Boca. Yeah. For almost the whole of the 60s, in fact. Um, and then took charge when Ramon Diaz left in two, uh, 1999, was it? 98 or 99. First time Diaz left River? I think it's 98. Mm. Uh, he's also famous uh, in Boca because he... he he kicked the penalty Roma saved in the 60s to give Boca a championship against ah. River. So he's, he's famous for that as well. His Wikipedia also says that he's... Uh, there's the, the famous penalty, yeah. Oh, there's a photo of it on his Wikipedia yeah. page, yeah. But he's also had the finger pointed at him um, at being the man who was responsible for telling River not to sign Lionel Messi 
Uh, although, given that he did work in the youth, that, in the youth room, Messi was never actually uh, sort of going to go to River once his dad decided but to move to what Barcelona. What Messi said about that is strictly responsible. But what Messi said about that was that he asked for new uh, news the, the the transfer or the the, the permit to mm. to be. Play- yeah, Newell's refused to release him yes, or something. Something like that. Um, but yeah, so Brazilians in Argentina, not too many. I think there's there's one example of one back in the 30s or 40s or something who naturalised and played for the Argentine national team, but I can't remember it right now off the top of my head. Um, but by and large, I'm, I'm still... I, the Brazilian league, certainly for the last decade or so, has been yeah. financially much stronger as well, which I do think has something to do with it, albeit... Obviously, yeah. Um, I would agree that the rivalry probably doesn't help either. Um those are all of our listeners' questions. So now you're going to hear Mystic Somebody's theme music. And when we come back, we will have this week Mystic Harry's predictions for round seven. So don't go away. Last week, uh, Mystic Chris Hartley got 5 out of 15, just like everybody else has so far, basically. Um, This week, Harry Laws has emailed in uh, from Trinity College, Oxford, so we're expecting a very high score here. Harry will be most disappointed in you. Um, For his predictions for the coming weekend, and he's going as follows. Racing versus Lanús, draw. Newell's Old Boys against Atletico de Rafaela. Newell's Old Boys to win that one. Uh, Olimpo v Belgrano to finish all square. Defensa Justicia to record a win against Huracan. Independiente to get an away win over Banfield. San Martín de San Juan against Tigre to finish in a draw. San Lorenzo to beat Arsenal in Bajo Flores. Temperley to beat Argentinos Juniors in Temperley. Patronato against Rosario Central to end in an away win. Estudiantes against Gimnasia, which is the weekend's Clásico to end in a very hot-tempered draw, and yes, that's going to be a very interesting one, given what happens over the summer when those two play each other, isn't it? Um, Atletico Tucumán to beat Aldo City in Tucumán. Colón against River Plate to finish in an an away win for River. Uh, Sarmiento against Godoy Cruz to be an away win for Godoy Cruz. Boca Juniors to get a home win over Union. And Venice Sarsfield to beat Quilmes in Liniers. What do we think of those predictions, Jens? Any that really stand out as being... Uh, some of the ones from um, from Chris last week were particularly brave, such as Banfield to win, which almost came off for him. Yeah. Scoreline wise. And uh, there was another one I remember as well that, that made us sort of raise our eyes a bit. But uh, this week I think Harry's going... Yeah, for the long he's going safer. I would say perhaps um, Vélez and Gilmes will get a draw, but... Uh, it sounds logical, so he should get not more, no more than five. No, this is Argentina, yeah, obviously. So if, if you're a betting man, then always bet on the hand of Bob Mystical Predictions this year to go 5 out of 15 for equipment. Um, not much more that we can say about that one, really, but thank you very much for, for uh, the predictions. Um, I've already lost the email. I know there it is, Harry. And I'll put those up on the blog so that people can check them, as I do each week um, throughout the weekend. I think that's it. Aside from Estudiantes against Gimnasia, are there any matches that we're particularly looking forward to this weekend? 
Shall I bring up the list again so we can see them properly? Yeah, please. Obviously, the Boca game for me. <laughs> but then did it. So aside from the Atlantic Nasia and the Boca River games, are there? Oh, this is the second division. Bloody hell, I'm all over the place here. Hang on. Uh, which other ones are we looking forward to? I'm looking for. I normally look forward to seeing Rosario Central play this year. To be perfectly honest, um, but away to Patronato, mm-hmm. perhaps is going to be slightly less interesting. With yeah. no disrespect meant to Patronato, but um, and we we will have to see the team that Codet uh, sets for for that match because yeah, yeah maybe Banfield Independiente. Banfield Independiente, I think, should be a yes. very good game. Yes, yeah, the way they both been going. Anyway, Banfield has nothing but nothing to do with the one. That Almeida, uh, yeah, the, 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 the yeah. Then Racing Lanús could be interesting. That's the first match of the weekend. On oh yes, it is. It is the first match of the weekend. It kicks off forty-five minutes before New Orleans against Atlético de Rafaela on Friday night. And um, I, there is yeah, a mistake there. Should be How? very fun. <laughs> Yeah, there is a mistake there. Racing Lanús on, on Friday. It's maybe because they, maybe Racing plays Copa next week. They must do. Uh, so maybe on Tuesday. Yeah, that may be the, the reason because. Yeah, because yeah, they, they're going to have. Yes, they must, because there they must be a way to Deportivo Cali on Tuesday. Because Boca play on Monday, don't they, this week? Yeah, because, the yeah, because they are playing this week. That's uh, uh, Thursday. Yeah. And uh, and also, maybe the news uh, Rafaela match could be interesting because uh, both have been awful. So we can see which one is I mean, more awful. We're talking different levels of awful, though. Newells are going to win that by a couple of goals. Are you sure? Yeah. I mean, they just lost 3-0, they conceded 4 against Boca. Oh, no, Newells so sure. are, are terrible. You have at least Newells. I know they are. They're be too bad for the Primera when the Primera consists of 30 teams. Yeah. I mean, they've done it now for well over but a year. But why not an illness draw? Yeah, I wouldn't put that class. News, has, yeah. a, news has a, at least some players that even, even being awfully like Maxi Rodriguez or Escoco, I don't know even he, if he's playing in the starting lineup. Racing are away to Deportivo Cali next week, but it's not until Thursday, so I'm not really sure why they're playing on Friday night. Because anyway, And I apologise for the uh, uh, car honking outside. They were un- upset with whatever Andres was trying to say. Andres, would you like to repeat it so Alice just can hear? Yes, uh, well, now I forgot what I was saying. Yeah, you were mentioning uh, the the quality of some of Neil's players. And, uh, yeah, that, that even Skoko, we've mm. been, for example, not in the starting lineup. I think he's not. Uh, well, Rafael has nothing. And, he, yeah, and Neil's has those players that perhaps add something different or something, or they save Neil's from the, the poorness they are now. I only wish that that kind of thing were true because uh, if, if that was the case, Boca would score sometime. And uh, we haven't scored for four games, having maybe one of the top 10 strikers in the world last year. So uh, I don't know. Hopefully, you're right. We shall see. It's going to be an intriguing weekend. I would suggest that you don't bother watching Templer against Argentino Juniors. Uh, can't imagine that one's going to be too interesting. And. Um, well, that's the only one that stands out for me as a potential and the physical Tizia match. I must say, um, defensive Justicia against Huracan. After defensive Justicia scored five goals, now, I know it's only against Argentinos, but still, yeah, that's they, a potential. Lot, yeah. That's a potential very interesting game, I think, because with Huracan, you never quite know which side of the bed they're going to wake up yeah. on. They can be brilliant or they can be awful. Yeah, um, San Martin Tigre is also a match that I'd avoid. Yeah. Just because I, yeah, mate, it's I, true. Yeah. Not, not really tempting to say you should watch Tigre after scoring five at the yeah, but this weekend just gone. But they've they've been so sorry, Tigre and Summer Team listeners. But yeah, yeah. 
Um, anyway, there you go. Those are our thoughts on the weekend to come. If you're going to uh, stay up to watch the La Plata Clásico, it's on at uh, quarter to six in the evening, so you won't be staying up very late wherever you are. Um, well, not if you're in Europe or North America or South America or anywhere. Um, then enjoy it. Uh, it's going to be very bad-tempered, but try and enjoy it anyway. And otherwise, we shall meet you back here for more of the same next week. Um, I'll be back, of course, later on to let you know how Rosario Central against the River Plate of Uruguay finishes. At the moment, it's still 1-0 to Central after 54 and a half minutes. Um, so I'll see you after the theme tune, dear listeners, uh, and you'll get another full-time score there. But for now, for another week, it's thank you very much, and apologies for just elbowing you in the hand, Fede. Um, thank you very much, and goodbye from Fede. Thank you for having me. And from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye. It's quite a bit later on Wednesday night, and here are the scores from the Copa Libertadores uh, this evening with Argentine side. Rosario Central got a 4-1 win in the end over River Plate of Uruguay. Um, and in another match that uh, I and apparently also Fede and Andres had completely forgotten was going to be taking place, uh, San Lorenzo have just secured a 1-1 draw away to Gremio of Brazil.